morning. So tonight at 7.30, wow, tonight at 7.30 p.m., the men's basketball team plays in uh, March Madness in Atlanta. I'm sure some of you are planning on going, and it should be glorious. Um, so I've been thinking since uh, Wednesday when Jim Carter talked about success. Uh, I've just been kind of trying to answer the question, what is that? Like, what is success? Um, it seems that, that sometimes there are certain things that are best answered kind of in the negative, right? By, we define some things by the absence of others. Um, and success might be a little bit like that, like darkness. How do you describe darkness? Like, what is it? The best way to describe darkness is the absence of light, right? Uh, I think hell is oftentimes best described by what it's not. Hell is, is that which is absent of every good thing. Every good thing. When you think about that, that paints a really frightening picture of what hell is. But success, what is success? If I ask you, what is success? Um, Jim Carter mentioned that we don't define it as the world defines it, which is good. Um, but how does Scripture define it? How do we as Christians define success? What is being successful? Um, it's possible that it's a fairly relative term. Um, some things that, that may seem like success to some may not be that successful to others. I was thinking if you, if you grew up in a family where no one graduated from high school and you had a sibling who was the first one to graduate from high school, that's considered a success, right? Or maybe you grew up in a family where no one uh, had graduated college. So the first college graduate is considered a success. But, but what is it behind that? Like, why is that a success? It seems that sometimes there's an attainment of something desirable, right? So the men's basketball team, I, I think everyone would say they've had a successful season, right? Because they're going to the tournament. They, they, they're conference champions. They're going to the tournament. But, but is that success? Like, is that really what success is? So uh, we're going to look at a passage in Matthew 25. We're going to look at a parable about the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I think, I think maybe as Christians, we can kind of hone in on what does it mean um, not just to be successful, but what is success? So uh, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, um, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug uh, a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, 
you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was with my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to he who has ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you speak to us, Lord. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us. And thank you, Lord, um, that you define truth. Father, I do pray this morning that you will speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the the parable, uh, we're not going to walk through verse by verse, but but big picture is fairly simple. The master stands for God. Uh, The servants are two different kinds of people. And God entrusts those people with a wide range of resources and abilities. The two who were faithful are commended because they have faithfully discharged what God has given them as resources to steward. And then the one who is unfaithful, he is the one who simply hid away what God had given him and did not steward well what God had given him. So, the focus of this passage, really, when you, when you get to the heart of this one, it's not so much about the two who had done well. It's really a warning. It's a warning about the steward who did not steward well what God had given to him to steward. He did not use it in the service of his master. Serves as a warning. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to look closer, closer at what Jesus says to the two faithful servants. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I think as we start to pull this apart, we'll see a few things about what it means to be a faithful servant and why Jesus would say to them, well done. Um, When we talk about this, when we talk about well done and faithful servant, I I don't know how many different contexts you've heard it in, but I've always heard it and also thought of it as, um, I pray that one day the Lord will say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. It, always, it oftentimes takes on um, sort of an, an eternal perspective that at the final day, I'll stand before the living God and my Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant. So it takes on that kind of picture to it. But I think as we peel it apart, we can see maybe what, what kind of sits underneath it. So we start off and Jesus says to the servant, he says, well done, right? Well done. Well done means that there is something that has been done. There is something to do. Uh, But what's important is not the thing that is done. It's not the thing that there is to do. It's how you do it. It's to be done well. Well done. You have things to do. But more important than what you do is how you do it. And God's definition of doing something well is pretty specific. In Colossians, Paul talks about it. He says, whatever you do, here's God's definition of doing something well. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. This is the how. This is the how. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Whether you're a basketball player, whether you're a piano tuner, a teacher, a pastor, Whatever it is that God calls you to do, whatever resources and gifts and talents God has given you, 
We are to do them unto the Lord. Work at it with all your heart. Build up others. Love as Jesus loves. Work for the Lord. So wealth, power, prestige, none of these are indicators of a job well done. What is it that indicates a job well done? It's faithfulness. A job well done is marked not by worldly results of money or wealth or prestige or acclaim or applaud. It's faithfulness that something is a job well done. Vocational, like degrees in vocation, um, a hierarchy in jobs, total human construct. Faithfulness will outstrip every human method of weight every single time. And this faithfulness, it reaches, just, it reaches beyond vocation into whatever we do. Scripture says, work at it with all your heart. So we look at things like relaxation and recreation. And you start to think about the things you do when you're just resting. I mean, it's easier to think about doing a vocation for God. It's easier, to, it's easier to think about working for the Lord. But what about resting for the Lord? What about relaxing for the Lord? And you begin to ask, is that actually possible? Is God really reaching his fingers into every aspect of my life? Is God saying, whatever you do, not just the work vocationally, but the things that you do apart, do them for me? Yeah, he is. And that can be a little bit unsettling, a little bit challenging, because you begin to think, is it actually possible? Like, can I rest for the Lord? Can I relax for the Lord? Can I watch Netflix and honor God? Can I read a book and honor God? Can I sleep and nap and honor God? And the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely. If you're watching Netflix, right, there are certain things that, that we know probably aren't the best things to be watching on Netflix, things that probably are not terribly honoring to God. But then how much joy do you think it brings God when we watch a show that's well-written, that we think about, that makes us think about life? Or maybe something that's not at all well-written. Maybe it's something that simply just makes us laugh, something that allows us to relax and be grateful for the lives that God has given us. Again, it's not so much about the what, it's the how we do it. Thought-provoking, relaxing, makes us laugh. Um, I think at the bottom of this is, if we can't do something for the Lord, perhaps he would have us change what we're doing or how we're doing it. If we're doing things in our lives that we really believe we can't do unto Christ, then is he asking us to change what we're doing? Perhaps. But perhaps he's also simply asking us to change the attitude with which we do those things. That means that we have to rely on him with all things. When you think about relaxing, it shouldn't be this separate entity from our relationship with God. It means we have to rely on God for everything that we do. We have to rely on him for our vocation, for our studies, for our interaction with others, how we rest, how we recreate. God has to be a part of all of these things because we're called literally to do whatever we do unto Christ. So if that's the well done, 
What follows is the who of the good and faithful servant. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. So what is a good and faithful servant? Are we good and faithful servants? Is it possible to be a good and faithful servant? Well, first, what's a servant? A servant uh, is someone who acts in service of another. What he does is done for someone else. And that is who we are. What we do is done in the service of another, for the name, for the good, for the honor, and for the sake of God, for his glory, for the glory of the one being served. So a Christian servant is a servant of God, a servant of Jesus. But the phrase that he uses is not just servant. He doesn't just say, well done, servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And when you look at what it means to be good and faithful, if you break those two apart, are you good? Are you a good servant? No one would say yes. Are you a faithful servant? Perhaps. But these two words, good and faithful, are perfectly woven together. They are not meant to be separated. It is impossible to be a good servant without being a faithful servant. Hear that. It's impossible to be a good servant without being faithful. And every servant who is faithful is a good servant. That's what it means to be a good and faithful servant. It means to be faithful, because faithful will mark a servant as good. Are we good and faithful servants? Well done, good and faithful servant. So, what is he really saying? Kind of takes me back to this idea, what is success? And we can do it with all sorts of negatives, what it's not. But I think success is fairly simple. I think success is faithfulness. Boiled down to its very essence, what does it mean to be successful? It means to be faithful. What is that which we strive to attain that would bring success? It's faithfulness. We are to be faithful servants of God. So I thought about, I thought about how to say this. Um, Parables, you know, they often use their pictures and they use extremes to make a point, right? So hear this with that context in mind. But when we think about success, when we think about being good and faithful servants, hear this. If I'm a young pastor of an influential church, but I am not faithful, I'm tempted to say I'm not successful. But hear it like this. If I am a young pastor of an influential church, but I'm not faithful, I have nothing. If I have a great education and will walk into a high-paying job right after college, I have nothing. If I have all of the money in the world but I'm not faithful with it, I have nothing. If I have all of the influence in the world but I'm not faithful with it, I have nothing. If I have all of the time in the world but I'm not faithful with it, I have nothing. Get the picture? That without faithfulness, we cannot be good and faithful servants. We can't have, I think, what the Bible would describe as success. If I'm faithful, though, with the resources and the abilities that God has given me, I can be anything, I can do anything, and his word to me can be well done, good and faithful servant. And we could stop there, but as I went through this, something changed in my mind, and I realized that my desire before was perhaps lacking. The, the desire to be, to hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. I realized 
I had my sights set too low. That's not what God will say to me. It won't be, well done, good and faithful servant, because I'm not just a servant. Be well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. Because Jesus has been faithful. And that's the beauty of Scripture, guys. Anytime God calls us to do something, He doesn't call us to something that we can't do if we have His help. The Holy Spirit actually makes us capable and and makes this possible. Right? And then we look to Jesus. Jesus was perfectly faithful. And His faithful played out in obedience, played out in reverence, played out in perfect reliance upon the Father. He died for us so that we could do the same. So that when we stand face to face with God, He doesn't look at us and see our foibles and our sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant. He says, well done, son. Well done, daughter. The faithfulness The righteousness of Christ is attributed to us. So what does it mean to be successful? In everything that we do, work with all of our hearts, being faithful to God. That is a successful life. Not how the world defines it, but I think that's how Christians should define it. Um, Spring break's coming up. I pray that you guys have a successful spring break. I pray that you, you are rejoicing in being faithful. I pray that you find joy in being faithful in all of the things, in the big things and the little things. If you're going hard and you're, you're surfing, like, do it faithfully. Glory in God as you do it. If you're napping the entire week, like praise God, right? I mean, I think God put Adam to sleep when he pulled the rib out, not because it was going to be painful, but because he's like, Dude needs a nap before we do this, right? But if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to rest, if you're going to go hard, if you're going to surf, whatever it is, do it under the glory of God, guys. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice that you're a God who knows us um, far better than we will ever know ourselves. You know our needs far better than we know our needs. Um, You love us far better than we could even hope Uh, to be loved. Uh, We thank you, Father, that your idea of success is not that of the world's. Father, I pray that you would make us a faithful people, not so that we can receive something, uh, but in response to how good you are. Uh, Father, let us uh, joy and rejoice in being faithful before you. And Father, we do. We long to hear you say, well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. And to know that when you look on us, you don't see our shame, you don't see our sin or our guilt, but you see the righteousness of your son, Jesus, who is faithful. Help us, Lord, by your spirit to be faithful as he is faithful. Lord, I do pray for protection for every single student, faculty, and staff over spring break. Pray that you will bless us, keep us whole, and bring us back. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go, guys. Have a great spring break.